Hey there, friend. I think we have something very special today that is going to uh, challenge you and infuse hope into you for the near horizons, the intermediate horizons, and the further off horizons in your life. And here's a secret with walking with Jesus. We can fully optimize something called lamenting, lamentation. What is lamenting? Lamenting is honestly processing difficulties that we're going through and maybe confession of sin and doing the hard interior work of going through a difficult season or a difficult experience. And we can fully optimize this lamenting process. And what does it do? It opens us up to healing, restoration, and coming into wider, more fruitful spaces in your journey. Our guest today is reminding us that we can learn from the experience of the Israelites who were taken into captivity by the Babylonians because of their own self-induced disobedience and sin. And yet, even in that, there is a process of lamenting and a hope of restoration. We have Adam Carver, a business person and pastor from the United Kingdom. You know, this global pandemic that we've been through and all the residual effects of it into, uh, you know, financial spaces, education, political, etc. It's been like one giant plow that's come into the earth and turned over everything. And it's even touched our hearts. And there may be many latent issues in our own personal journey from years that we've not properly uh, done the interior work on and processed. And the global virus and all the residual effects of it have turned that over and given us an opportunity. It's an opportunity, friend. Welcome to episode 256 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. You can see the show notes page uh, for additional links and to take things further, just a little bit further on this theme today at jesussmart.com slash 256. While you're there, you can explore other podcasts and articles there. I believe that Jesus Christ knows how our lives work best, and he's passionate about developing us, advancing us as intimate friends and co-agents in his kingdom. Co-agency, you have agency with Christ in his kingdom. He's our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord, and he knows how everything works best. So let's connect in prayer at the end. Hey, friend, welcome to the podcast today. I'm glad you're here. We have a special guest from the United Kingdom, Adam Carver. I'll introduce him in just a moment. We are obviously dealing with residual effects of the global virus that ravaged the planet and the shutdowns, the effects that that had in the spaces of like business, relationships, family life, even mental, emotional health, education. Even in some sense, the church has been deeply impacted by this. And we have a topic today that we believe Adam and I were just discussing, discussing, and Adam is going to help us out with this theme, but we think this is like an underutilized or un underserved uh, kingdom dynamic, okay? And uh, Adam has a course on this, a, a short video course, and he actually calls lamenting fabulous. I heard you say that, Adam. <laughs> Lamenting. It's a fabulous thing. And I don't, I don't, you know, I think most people may want to acquaint themselves with the, even the concept of lamenting, maybe. I think we all need a refresher in that. But uh, I don't know that we would choose fabulous, but maybe after you hear it, 
after you hear some of the insights on this, I think you might you might call it fabulous. Um, I'm beginning to think of it as a fabulous thing to employ. Adam serves in Shipley, England. He lives there with his wife, Faye, and they have four children, and they own a children's soft play business uh, called Little Daisies. What exactly is that, Adam? What is a soft play business? Yeah, I'm not sure whether you guys have them in the in, in the states. Basically, it's a it's a cafe space. We do teas, coffees, food, all that, and then a play space for the kids with a climbing frame, role play, baby area. So it's specifically for under five. So obviously, it rains a lot in the UK, so we have to have indoor spaces okay. uh, for our kids. So parents stay with the kids, and it's in the it's in the basement of the church. So yeah, interesting concept. I, I don't I don't know that we have much of that here. That's um that's very good. No, well you have su- you have sunshine in most of the places, so you're all right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Their heart is to see people restored back to their um, original design, their original good design, and then released to help restore others. Adam leads Christian Life Church in Shipley, and he's chair of um, an organization called Shipley Christians Together. It's a charity of local churches that are seeking to work together to see the kingdom come through outreach and social justice programs. And you recently released a book, Adam, called FACT, an acronym, F-A-C-T, Four Keys to Walking in Kingdom Relationship. What's the basic uh, theme of that book? So basically, this is um, four keys that I think are really important if we're going to walk in the relationships we're meant to walk in. I believe that we're meant to walk in deep, emotionally connected relationships with one another, openness, transparency, humility, vulnerability. That's where I think we're meant to live. That's where we were created to live. If you read Genesis 1, that's our original good design. And so it's really four keys that I've built into my life and built into everything that I've done uh, that have helped me live in that place with other people. And uh, so, yeah, that's the, that's the synopsis. Okay, good, good. Synopsis. And, and, and the kingdom is about, it's so much about people. It's so much about connectivity. And, you know, we are a royal yep. priesthood. There is a corporateness that's undeniable in the kingdom. It's kind of hard to live a kingdom life by yourself, isn't it? I mean, it, I'm not sure it works too well. It's impossible, isn't it? You know, really. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why God is three, because the God three is not a crowd. Uh, you know, he's, uh, I think that's a little idea. And, you know, God wants to meet with us, doesn't it? Again, Genesis 1, God comes along. Hey, where are you? Because uh, he wants to find out where we're at. He wants to be with us. And even, you know, he, even in the garden, uh, God said it is not good for man to be alone. And he's right. living in perfection with God, walking in the garden. Uh, but actually God went, that's not good enough. You need another human being to enjoy this life. And you need to interact with them in beautiful ways. So, okay, very excellent. Yeah, I think it's really important. For me, everything I do is based around this idea of relationships. So, yeah. I love the appeal back to early Genesis. It's so seminal. And I think that, you know, where are you? And I think that Jesus is all about, you know, from the beginning, it's not been this way, he said. I think it is all about him, you know, recapturing and then building into the future from there, from early Genesis. I love that. So, yes, we we have all these residual negative effects from the global virus. And what we're saying is that um, we may have a lot of interior work to do. We may not have fully processed and grieved and and lamented and gone through some things. And what's really needed today, Adam, I think, is resilience. And we need everyone in the body of Christ to show up in this moment uh, together in a way that maybe has never been seen before to meet this moment. We need the body of Christ to meet the moment. So I think this is a key. What got you started on this theme, Adam? What what really, I mean, obviously we have the geopolitical events and the and the things we've touched on here, but what um, 
what really started the study of this theme and practicing it and beginning to communicate it with others? I think, I mean, some of it comes out of my own uh, grief journey from my own uh, experience uh, when I was uh, about, t- uh, how long ago now? A number of years ago now, uh, 15, 16, 17, I, I lost my first wife. So um, I had to go through my own grief journey. And I had never done that before. I was 30 years old. So um, really back then, um, uh, yeah, literally 15 years ago, back then I was I was kind of, I walked through that as a personal experience. And then just as part of the, the pastoral journey of leading the, the family I'm on, you realize that people deal with loss all the time. We tend to think grief is about uh, people, but actually we lose relationships, we lose finance, we lose jobs, we lose homes, we lose reputation. There's, there's lots of things that we lose as we go through life, and there's lots we gain as well. But I think what I realized was in that time was if you don't process the loss of whatever it is, then that loss kind of stays with you in a way that it doesn't need to if you learn how to process it and do the interior work process. And what I've seen in, in my life and in um, lots of lives in the church that I lead is that actually when you do this processing, God is incredibly good at healing that pain and that grief. And I've seen it time and time and time and time again. But I think there is a there is a skill actually in learning to do that. And I like to think of it as a skill lamenting because um, mm. I think it's something we have to learn and outwork together. Uh, but if you learn the skill, it's incredibly powerful. And if you can teach that skill to others, that's even more powerful. So, I mean, living on this side of the new heavens and the new earth, it's probably a, a high-value life skill to have as a, as, a, as a Christ follower, as a kingdom person, I would say, right? In the light of what Jesus has done, of course, we are in Christ, we're in God. And therefore, we are, in one sense, you know, our spirits are full of the goodness of God. That's what Colossians 2.9 tells us. At the same time, though, we were not really designed to live in this world, were we? We were designed to live in Eden, and we're not in Eden. We're in a different place. So so we experience this place of loss all the time, and I believe God wants to heal us. I believe he wants to make us whole, um, but I think there's a, there's, a, there's a way for that to happen. At least that's what, I, in my experience, that's what I've seen, that there are certain keys, and if you follow those keys, then you find freedom and peace and healing in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Jesus said that um, when a disciple is fully trained, he will be like his master. I think he was talking mm-hmm. about us being fully developed in him and will become like him, you know, his nature, his yeah. abilities, his capacities that he demonstrated uh, in his earthly life. And it's said of Christ that he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. I think it says that in Isaiah. 53. Yeah. What about this aspect of Jesus' humanity? Didn't run away from that, did he? What would you say about that? And, and how does that speak to us as his followers? I believe Jesus was fully divine and also fully human. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't always find that easy because we live in a world of uh, dualism, basically. It's either or, you know, you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, you are pro or for, you're anti lockdown, pro lockdown, pro vaccine, anti vaccine. In the UK, it's Brexit or Remain. There's like, and I think those divides are becoming increasingly to find the middle ground in anything is increasingly difficult. <laughs> uh, and so we don't find it easy to get around our minds that Jesus is and or, and, and, you know, he's both and. Surely he's either God or he's a man. Well, no, actually, he's both and. And I think a lot of the scriptures are like that. It's both and rather than either or. But actually, in terms of 
Jesus, he was fully divine, but fully human. He was acquainted with grief. I mean, he, he wept, didn't he? He got to Lazarus' tomb, John eleven fifty five, and he wept. He expressed emotion. He was in tune with his humanity. He, I, one of my favorite scriptures, I, th I think it's uh, John 6, when it says, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. I like that. He was tired from the journey. Yeah. Well, I get tired from the journey, and I, you know, I, I weep. I, for me, he embraced humanity as well as embracing, of course, he was fully divine, fully God in every way, but yet somehow he also embraced humanity. And I, I wonder whether sometimes we kind of run away from our humanity or we, because we've got God in us, we think we, should, we shouldn't do these things. Well, I shouldn't be upset or I shouldn't feel this or I shouldn't feel that, but we do. And um, I mean, it's interesting. I've kind of banned the word should from my because I find it a completely unhelpful word. Okay, the word uh, should. Because we do. It doesn't matter whether I, I should do this or I should do that. Well, yeah, but you are. So it's it's a, just a bit of a waste of time statement. It, it doesn't help anybody, really. Like, we are where we are. And I, I think part of embracing that, you know, it's not like Jesus stood outside Lazarus' tomb, the man that he loved, and then went, oh, I shouldn't be crying and stopped himself. He didn't do that. He went, this pains me, it grieves me. We see he weeps over Jerusalem as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, later on in the story. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, no, no Jesus, one, he didn't kind of go, no, I'm, I'm full of God, I shouldn't do that. He went, no, this is how I feel. And I'm, and I'm sharing it, and I'm sharing it with you. This is what it means to be human. I mean, I, I love, I enjoy um, reading a, a Richard Rohr, and one, one quote from his book, The Naked Now, says this, the Christian revelation is that you're already spiritual in God. And your difficult but necessary task is to learn how to be human. Jesus came to model a full integration for us. And in effect, told us that divinity looks just like him, while he looked ordinarily human to everybody else. Mm. And I, I find it really interesting that actually, so I, I am a spiritual being. I'm full, I'm full of God because I've said yes to Jesus and his spirit's filled my heart. But actually to be human is to look and walk like Jesus did. That's what it means to be human. And, um, and he clearly, to me, embraced those things he was acquainted with grief and, and all that sort of stuff so um yeah i think that's for me uh and i enjoy the fact that he was human because he is my example and if you want human then it's a bit of a strange example isn't it if i can't follow him it's the incarnation and when we're born again in a similar way i mean you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are a new creature in christ all things become new but yet we're still mm -hmm. in this East of Eden, pre-New Heavens, New Earth condition right yeah. now. And we're also still in a human experience, spirit, soul, and body renewed, our inner man renewed, and yet our outer man, you know, exactly. uh, interfacing with everything that's here. And so, yeah, Jesus modeled for us, I, I think it says in Hebrews that he would pray and with loud cries before God. And he was heard because of his groanings, his piety, his love. He must have been in prayer unloading and processing and, you know, and calling on his father's help. That's all modeling for, for us. I think you would probably say in order for us to really release the life of Christ, the spirit of life in yeah. Christ Jesus, that we do need to process and maybe repent, lament, you know, and deal with these these issues of of loss, even sometimes self-invoked loss, <laughs> you know, loss loss that that we've that we've created, right? 
I think the first thing the first thing that's really important is that because my view of God is hugely helpful for me on this this area because I believe that He really does love me no matter what, and I've come to understand and believe not just in my head but in my heart that. Even if I have invoked self-loss and I've done something ridiculously stupid and that's causing me a loss, I don't need to beat myself up for that. Of course, I need to learn from it because I, I should learn from my mistakes. I should learn as I go through. That's part of growing up, sure. part of being yeah. human is we're meant to learn. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think we need. I don't think I need to beat myself up for it because I don't think God's beating me up for it. God's not whipping me for that mistake that I made. He's 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 you know he, he just loves me. And he and he's, he's passionate about me, so I find this stuff probably because I see God in that way and I know God like that. I probably find this easier if if people don't know God in the way that I know Him or don't see Him as I see Him, which is of course very so valid. But you know, if you got as soon as going to beat you up, uh, then it's, yeah. you're not really going to want to do that interior work because I, you, you, does that make sense? It- it it does. I think A.W. Tozer said that like our most important understanding, high level understanding is our understanding of God. If we, you know, really get some skewed, distorted concept of God downstream from that, there's just a lot of problems, right? A lot of um, yeah. capped potential and torment, really. I mean, our our concept of yeah. God as Father is 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 so vital. It's so up it's so upstream from so much. I like I like what you're saying. I mean, I think there's a difference between like authentically repenting, Father. I changed my mind on this. I've blown it. I'm returning to you. I'm I'm repenting and uh, coming back to your to you and to your ways. There's a difference between that and just a, a, a masochism, just, you know, just beating yourself up and remaining in torment. Yeah. You know, that, that idea, well, you read at the beginning, you know, my, my new face heart is to see people restored back to their original good design. I believe that's the heart of the Father. He wants to restore us. We are broken. We are, uh, you know, we've all been injured and harmed because we've lived this thing called life. That's part of what it means to be human. But actually, the heart of God is to restore us back to that original good design, that original design of intimacy with him, you know, back to Genesis 1, intimacy with him and intimacy with one another, you know, that, that we can actually walk closely together, openly together. And I think uh, everybody, as we walk through life, we get we get injured, we get harmed, just sometimes because of things we do, sometimes because of things other people do. And for me, the whole skill of learning to lament is learning to go, okay, what, where, where is the? Where are these places of loss, and how can I come to a place of healing in Jesus? Um, I think that's the key, the key, key thing, really. I mean, I would say I think I think lamenting is a it's a skill of the heart, not the mind, um, and I think that's really key. I think because I think your heart's where you feel, and this is very simple theology, so forgive me, but uh, otherwise, yeah, your heart I think is where you feel things. Sure. Or, or, or this is the terminology I'm going to be using, and your mind is where you process and think things. But I think it's a bit like you know you you try and work something out. So let's take um, let's take the war in Ukraine for example that obviously started at the beginning of the year. I don't know about you, but it was it was shocking to find you know tanks rolling down streets in Eastern Europe. Uh, I, I mean, whoever thought we'd actually see that in the 21st century? 
we knew that Putin would probably do something that most people would say was wrong. But but he was just so you can work it out with your mind or try and like you know, and you can go back in history and you can go back to how he thinks and what what he thinks about the annexation of all those things twenty thirty years ago. But actually, your heart feels something. Your heart goes. It feels sadness. It feels anger. It feels pain. Or sometimes your heart feels nothing because it's already so full. It hasn't actually got any capacity to feel anything, and that's okay as well. That's okay. But so, so really, it's a it's the work of the heart, lamenting. It's not really a work of the mind. Um, although you have to use your mind, but really, we're talking about the things that are stored up in our hearts. Would you say that it takes courage to lament? Yeah, it does take a lot of courage because you've got to be willing to look inside and be brave enough to see what you see. Mm-hmm. And um, we, actually, we actually see that in the story of Lazarus, which is one of my favorite stories. Uh, Jesus turns up and Martha, I think it's Martha, she's all upset because, you know, she thinks he's a bit late because Lazarus has already been dead for a few days. And uh, Jesus says, roll away the stone. And, and, and Martha goes, but it's going to stink. And, and that right there is, is the issue because she's going, I, I don't really want to look at death. Mm-hmm. I don't really, it, it's going to be horrible. And of course, when you realize if you have to look in your own heart, there are some things that you don't really want to look at. That's why most of us live in denial. But actually Jesus says, no, no, but if, if you're going to see resurrection, you've got to look at death. And that's why it takes a lot of courage because, mm-hmm. uh, and you will see resurrection. In fact, Jesus says, look, the glory of God. And I think, I mean, the glory of God is lots of things, but one of the things that I believe is, is, is things that were once dead being resurrected again. And I think right now across the world, there's lots of people who are dying inside, as it were, because of the weightiness of what they're carrying, especially from the last few years. Yeah, yeah, And I for think sure. they're heavy, I think they're burdened, I think they're weary. And of course, they, they, you know, because, I mean, I, I said you didn't be fun, you know, who else is talking about this stuff? Well, I don't think there's many people talking about it. I hope there is. I hope there are I, people I've not found yet. Yeah, I do too. And I'm not saying that I have my, you know, my ear to everything that's out there, but I seems to me that there's not much being said about this that I'm hearing. No. You know, and I I I think it's such a needed message. And you know, I I think that just because of humanity and fallenness and this world being what it is and that all of us at some level, we're carrying various issues that were sort of latent within us and, and submerged and suppressed issues preceding the global virus and everything that came from it, right? We're yeah. carrying these unresolved issues, these these loops that were never closed and we never, you know, we just, we're still like this long arm from the past somehow still has its grip on us about something. And the virus and all of the effects of the virus have only just like blown that open and amplified it. You know, it's in some sense an opportunity, even though it added whole new layers of trauma and loss, it's still an opportunity for us to deal with all of that. Plus the backlog of issues in our own lives that we've carried that we've never really dealt with. And it's, it is, it does take courage. It is uncomfortable. Um, I yeah. think the Holy Spirit, you would say, comforts us through the process and empowers us. What do you understand by lamenting? I, you, you, you draw up on the book of Lamentations, which is close to the middle of the Bible. <laughs> the weeping prophet Jeremiah yeah. wrote Lamentations as well. In the historical context there is that Judah was taken off into Babylonian exile, and it was traumatic. People were killed. People were dislocated. You know, 
They're, they were uprooted from everything they, they had known, brought into a whole new culture and geographical setting. They lost their temple. They lost Jerusalem, all of it. And so Lamentations is just five chapters of high-octane, uh, you know, lamenting, confession, processing, just articulation of the pain. And yeah. you, you, you draw upon that. So, but, you know, tell us about that. So that's the precedent and pattern that we're drawing on here. And I think that when we read yeah. Old Testament accounts like this, we can look back and see the patterns and the precedents, and we can see their their real fulfillment in Christ, their real processing in Christ on this side of the ascension. But um, tell me about lamenting. How do you understand it? And just take off with that, that whole Babylonian captivity and, and what we can learn from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating book, Lamentations. It's, it's not easy to understand. You know, you can't kind of read it like you can Matthew or Mark and, and go there. Well, you probably can if you're brighter than me, but I can't read it like that. Um, but I... Um, I found it fascinating to, to read, and I, I, I'll just read a couple of verses every now and again as we go through. But but let's start with verse chapter one and verse six to seven. So, as you uh, rightly proclaimed, you know the, the Jewish people have basically lost everything, and it's a very honest, raw, real account of how they're feeling about the fact that, and of course, to them, the temple is everything. If you don't have a temple, you don't have a God. If you don't have a place where God can dwell, well, God's clearly not there because. The Old Testament understanding is God lives in the temple. So if there's no temple, well, where's God? Um, and so these are deep questions of identity, of faith, of national identity. Um, and, and I think these verses are, you know, all the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness they are fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at us and laughed at her destruction. And of course, it's full of metaphor and image. We'll talk about that a bit more as we go through. But for me, what, what this tells us, first of all, is that I think a healthy faith is always honest about our response to our experiences. So a healthy faith is always honest about our response to our experiences. And and again, this comes from my heart about honesty, openness, vulnerability. That's all words that I live by. And I find that, you know, not people don't always manage to do that in church. Do they? Sometimes we manage to be like, well, it's all right because Jesus is with me. But actually, it's not all right because you're hurting and you're in pain and you're in grief and it's difficult. I'll, I'll always remember one time, this was many years ago now, in, um, in a small group in our, in our church. And... Um, it was a young, uh, a relatively young man in his 20s at the time. And he'd just, um, I can't remember how it happened, but he'd been made aware that as a child he'd been sexually abused. And he'd just become aware of this fact, or perhaps he'd shared it with somebody. And, you know, these things get lodged in our memories and sometimes we get triggered and they come out. And um, somebody asked him, hey, where are you at with God? And I can't say the word on this podcast that he used, uh, and I don't, don't in any way condone the word, but he, he basically said he he wished God would go away, but he didn't use those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and I thought that was wonderful. I mean, again, I don't come down the language, but but actually, this guy was being really honest about where he was at. Even this is where I'm at right now. How the heck do I want anything to do with a God who allows me at eight years old, however old he was, for that to happen to him? Well, that's a healthy response to what he went through, and I think. But that's healthy, and I think it's good. I think perhaps some people might run away from that and say we shouldn't do that. But for me, 
unless you're going to start there and go, this is the reality that I'm facing. Well, you know, for me, Jesus lives in reality. He doesn't live in how it should be land or how I'd like it to be land or how it was yesterday land. Yeah. He lives in a day. Today is the day of salvation. Now, he lives in reality. And so for me, the first, the first real step is this thing about just actually living in reality. Um, it's fascinating that, you know, you talk to people who have just lost somebody or they're going through some sort of difficulty or challenge. And most of the time, maybe it's an English thing, but most of the time they'll apologize. You know, you, you'll sit with somebody organizing a funeral and they'll go, I'm sorry for crying. And it's like, why would you apologize? It's that stiff, it's that stiff, it's that stiff upper lip thing. Maybe it's maybe it's an English thing, but I'm like, what is that all about? You know, I will. You know, you, you're going through something difficult, and people say sorry for expressing their emotion about it. I'm like, never apologize for sharing how you feel about something. Yeah, I mean, we have the same things here in different ways. You know, the rugged individualist in American culture, the cowboy. You know, the the <laughs> you don't show your yeah. emotions. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And but I think you know, as, as we've said at the beginning, Jesus did. So if you want to be like Jesus. And we've got a lot. Of course, there's context, there's right places, there's right ways, there's right people. Yeah. But I think that's been real. Sure. I think it's been real. And, and I think, um, you know, in truth, I think, I don't, I don't know about, about you in, in the West, but so, in, in, in the States, but certainly in the UK, we live in this culture of denial that doesn't know how to express an honest response to what we're experiencing. There's more on this, about another 25 minutes of content in our next episode with Adam Carver from the United Kingdom. Take it all in. And you know what? Here's the key. Apply it. Activate it. Begin to take action steps on it. Pull out your journal. Open your app. Record some thoughts. Begin to become intentional and focused and bringing things before the Lord. This is well worth it. High leverage time and investment to get free to move on, the power leaning into our lamentation. Again, the show notes page for this episode at jesusmart.com slash 256 to take things just a little bit further. Let's pray together for just 60 seconds. You can agree with me in prayer, or maybe you just want to receive this prayer over your life. Father, we come to you on the merits of Jesus Christ, on his standing, in his name. And we pray that you would give us the courage to lean into the lamentation process in our lives. Father, we know, we understand, we're coming to learn that valuable things are on the other side of discomfort, that it's worth the process. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? We pray with David in Psalm 139, search us, O God, see if there's any way of pain within us. Lead us in the everlasting way. Lord, we anticipate increasing levels of the abundant life that you promised. We anticipate new spaces and new places of in our journey of actualizing in you, developing in you, coming into that for which you laid your hand upon us. We thank you for the joy and peace in believing. May we abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We're east of Eden and we're on the, we're in the prequel to the new heavens and the new earth. We're in that space in between and yet the restoration has already begun. We can taste the powers of the age to come. Show us how to lament properly, Lord, in a godly way. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Friend, can I call out your attention to two preceding episodes that you may be interested in? Episode 255, Adam, where are you? Jesus questing via us, that question to humanity, that offer, Adam, where are you? Come back to me. And then episode 252, as well, a great episode, Emerging Voices. Here's what they're saying. I think we had 12 or 13 uh, very short snippets, guests who called in and shared what they feel the Holy Spirit has been speaking to them and working in their lives. That episode has gotten uh, a lot of play, episode 252. Again, we're going to complete this important conversation with Adam Carver in the very next episode. Thank you for passing this along to your friends and contacts. My friend, I believe that the future belongs to Jesus, but so does the now. He is absolute brilliance, and as we walk with him, we're going to develop in that brilliance, that wisdom. Let's connect next time with Adam Carver.